Hello, everyone. You're locked into New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. As always, my name is Flobo Voice, and I want to thank you so much for checking out the show. And uh, as this show gets bigger and better, I want to say thank you so much for sharing the show specifically. Not just listening. Listening is great. But sharing the show and letting other people know about New Amsterdam and let them know that you know, as long as you have a cool idea in your mind, you are a citizen, you are a member of the city for creatives. Now, my guess this episode, this bonus episode, if you will, uh, is a really good friend of mine from back in the day, back in the uh, the undergrad era. And, I, and I, it's a very distinct part of my life and because for most people going to college is when you really see uh, a spectrum of, of ideals and values and, and backgrounds and things like that. Uh, and it really, for me, was no different. You know, I grew up in the city in New York, and I, I had an idea how people thought, how people acted, uh, what society was in total. And I went to Flagler College, which was a small, well, still is small, but it was a smaller liberal arts college in North Florida, or as I like to call it, South Georgia. <laughs> and it was a whole different world of seeing uh, different perspectives and, and different ways of looking at the world. And, and it was always great to, to actually visit the campus this year. So it's always great to see how it's grown. But uh, Nathan Spicer, today's guest, is a storyteller and one that I met during my time at Flower College. And, and to be able to listen in and see how he looks at the world and, and how his viewpoint has changed and how it's become so much more uh, filled in. Like, you know, we were all like like sketches on a napkin at 18, 19, 20 years old. And, and now we're seeing the whole vivid coloring book. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We caught up. We talked about uh, trying to plan a birthday uh, my birthday, actually, this is going up a couple days before uh, my actual birthday. And, and how do you do that when most of uh, the state of California is still in lockdown? So you're actually going to get the tail end of that conversation in progress. Uh, I was going to cut it out, but I thought it'd be a cool way to show you how, just like without missing a beat, uh, we always went back to like how we did back in the day. It had been like over a decade since I spoke to Nathan, but it, it felt like he was a friend I just saw the week before. So uh, without further ado, as they say, Nathan Spicer is talking about the written and spoken word. Kids, you're just like, okay, well now what? We're in month three of the pandemic, so I can't even do the tacky pandemic-themed party. <laughs> no. It's just like... Pretty, well... In my case, forget even the pandemic. I, I get lost at like, at 35, I'm going to blank. I won't do shit. If I make some prediction about like one year down the line and it's some big achievement, like in five years, I'll be married. In five years, I'm going to be in a gutter, like absolutely single as all hell. Like there's no way I'm achieving whatever that grandiose thing is. Are, are you like single and loving it or single and going, this sucks? Because I'm kind of in both like camps at once. Is that weird? I, I'm I'm in the camp that both suck. Like yeah. when I'm when I'm single, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of lonely and bored. And then when I'm with somebody, I'm like, oh, wait, please stop talking to me. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's <laughs> no There's peace. No, <laughs> no, no peace. middle ground. There's no middle ground. 
Oh man, Nathan Spicer, it's been literally a decade and change, bro. Uh, it's I don't know. It's been a long ass time. I don't know what what you're up to. I mean, I know what you're up to, but I mean, like, like how how is the post college adult hype life treating you? Are you like putting in a headlock? Is it a struggle every day? Are you crushing it? Like overall thoughts, man. Because I'm just I'm just I'm enamored, bro. Like I see you doing things on, on Twitter. I see you doing big things. We'll get to it in a second. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, dude. All my 172 Twitter followers are vastly impressed. Just get fake yeah, ones. Man. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, just get. Which, <laughs> and actually, I got the vast majority of those when uh, first when I first started working at Pace was like a de- decade ago, kind of right, almost right out of college. Um, it was like a music magazine, and the one this is back when there was like Follow Friday. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember like those. Like initial days of Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So there was one that was put out by like my boss who of course had like connections to all of the major artists and industry and whatever so it's like follow all these people i got like 180 and then over a 10-year span i've managed to lose eight <laughs> keep so, it consistent best, yeah man i'm yeah. i'm staying it's steady it's a steady road yeah uh, it's basically i guess i could also view it as my personality hasn't changed in a decade that that's good if the same amount of people are still following me yeah <laughs> I mean, like in this or in the, basically the same people too then they're like well i like what he was doing a decade ago he's still basically that person so i'll continue following him he doesn't bother me and he's not an egg remember back in the day where you can have no. an account without a, an image <laughs> you know oh yeah <laughs> I, actually somebody's just pointed out earlier today that i just i never I never remembered, but it was totally accurate. Like in the beginning of the internet, everybody was afraid to use their real name. So like everybody's email address was some weird alias, your screen, your like AOL screen name was some weird thing. Like nobody yeah. was just Nathan John Spicer or anything. Now we're like, fuck it, have all my privacy. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's not that easy. Ah, privacy. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, but look, if I'm, I'm at a party, this is the thing I always ask my guests. I'm at a party, and I'll say, oh, this is my buddy Nathan. He is, and you're a man of many slashes. So what's the best way to describe what you do? Man of many slashes. <laughs> that uh, sounds really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's only tires, man. Just well, okay, tires. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which okay, is still it. aggressive. It's yeah. aggressive, but it's inanimate objects. It's usually justified. Um, yeah, mostly police cars. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, He's located at this address. <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's okay at pretty much all addresses, thankfully. Um, or at least many. What was the question? Oh, at a party, how would I describe myself? Yeah. Um, I would probably say writer first, and I would just leave it at that. Like, everything else is so tangential to that and yeah. secondary in terms of priority. And plus, if I start going down the road of all the different things I can do, then it's just, one, it sounds like I'm bragging. Two, um, it takes fucking forever to even explain <laughs> what a bunch of these things are. Like, I, I can't, like, if I were to have Thanksgiving dinner and tell my aunt that, yeah, I work with Google Analytics a lot. Like, that's a very fundamental thing for somebody my age, but, like, she has no fucking idea what that is. She knows what Google is, but right. nothing beyond that. What's wrong bragging? So, yeah, though? if I just say... Yeah, that that people understand because they've been doing that since literally they were zero. So right, well, two, whatever. So everybody can kind of wrap their heads around. Are you a writer? What do you write? Like books or short things? Okay, 
Yeah. So I remember when I, because we used to go to the same college way back in the day, uh, good old Flagler College, which I actually went to back this March for Com Week, and it's way different. Uh, and if you want to get into it, we totally can. Because, because there's actually like, uh, it's like the city's given up and said, college, just do whatever you want, just bring the tourists in, you know? Uh, but it was interesting. But, but the thing is, you were writing more like, like nonfiction stuff. You're on the, news, the school newspaper, I think. And uh, you got that job nope. writing for music sites. What the, the yeah, I, uh, yeah, definitely never school newspaper. Um, I was one of the. I was. I'm. I'm gonna put it up there, in terms of people who still got good grades but were like, fucking god awful students. Um, <laughs> that was me as an English major. I, I think I finished. No, nope, no, I'm gonna. Firmly say, I, I don't think I finished a single book that was assigned to me. Um, oh. I read Spark Notes almost exclusively, and this this was the reason why. First of all, I didn't care about the books they were assigned to me. Second, <laughs> secondly, and Spark Notes are way better um, than Notes. That's true. Uh, but what I found is like my scores ended up being way better on these tests because all the tests ended up being were like quizzing you on knowledge of characters and shit. So as long like. So I is if, if I didn't get lost in the plot and the story and all that stuff, um, which could kind of convolute things, it was way easier just to look at Spark Notes and get like this really brief summary of who was who, and like the three major things they did, and that's all the test would include. And so my tech, my scores ended up being there. So I just went with it. So you're just a prodigy then, which is that inherently smart. You just <laughs> cut the corners and got at the same time. No, no, no. I I wouldn't say prodigy. <laughs> I would say um really good at not doing shit that I don't want to do. I can't have you around if I say we went to the same school. I can't, I can't be like, yeah, bro, I just totally phoned it in. I don't know why. <laughs> Thanks, bro. No, I will I'm... say this. I did not, what I, I'll say this. What I did not phone in, though, was anything that actually had creative writing involved in it, like okay. even term papers. Yeah, fair enough. Because um, I liked the writing aspect of it. It was just like, and this is something I, I, I just... I know this is also another tangent. This is where my brain works. Really well. Tangent. Um, cool. I I remember. I remember being in high school, and being inside the Scarlet Letter, and being through like the third paragraph with this guy describing a cover, like three paragraphs on a cover. Huh. That has nothing to do with the story because yeah. they're paid by the word. Um, so, and I remember reading it going. This is weird. And then I connected it back to seventh grade when, when I was assigned Call of the Wild. And I remember being in seventh grade and being like, all right, well, they've assigned me a book where the main character is a wolf living in Alaska in like 1712. I don't think I can relate to this because I'm 12 um, and not a wolf. <laughs> and, and then they signed assigned dread expectations for one of the main characters an 82 year old woman and it was about all about like societal or upper class society and stuff and i'm, I'm still 12. i'm You're still, still 12. watching Ninja turtles like i can't i can't get into any of this and then it felt like every book that was assigned to me like till basically the end of college was some approximation of that where it was assigned because it's regarded as a classic and that is the only reason it's assigned. It's, it's not whether a kid is interested in it or not. And I think that's why a lot of kids end up hate hating to read because they're assigned things they don't like to read. The most ironic thing I think I still hear these days is when somebody says, I hate reading, 
while they're scrolling through their 8,000 text messages that they have with their friends, which is literally reading. It's just different words coming from people you like. So if there were more books where the words were coming from people they like, they'd probably be more inclined to read it. And and as you being a writer, you made that decision to say this stuff sucks. I'm make my own. Like, what was the the jumping off point? <laughs> like, why did you decide to jump I'm in there? Actually, you know what? I don't think there was there was seriously not a decision really. It was. I remember the day though. I remember I I I had a job as a web editor at in some giant glass building in Atlanta. This was also when I came to the realization that there was one day that I was sitting there. I'm going to link both of these. There was one day I was sitting there, a word out of my mind, and I realized I'm I'm in a box, inside a box, inside a box, inside a box, inside a box. What I mean is, I'm inside the computer screen, which is a box. I'm inside of a cubicle, which is a box. I'm inside of the floor, which is a box. Inside of the floor is a box within the building, which is a box within the block, which is a box. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to do something else with my life because I think I'm losing my mind. Um, and it wasn't too soon after that that I was just sitting around going, I wonder if I could write a novel. And then I did, and it's god awful, but I did. My it. novel and isn't then, great either. My novels, my novel totally sucks. I can't, I can't lie. Oh either. no, the first one I wrote, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh no, I. Oh uh, yeah, I would rather there were videotape. Why do I call it videotape? Because we're old. Uh, Footage, fucking old. You're bringing it down to me. Um, footage of every sexual encounter I've ever had, including the first one, rather than any single page of that first book. Um, and then, but after that, I like, because I did it, I was like, well, it's technically possible. Um, and I'd gotten in the habit of writing like a thousand words a day, or 2,000 at that time. Um, and my head has a pretty hard time letting go of something it gets like a routine about um, pretty severe OCD in some cases. Uh, but because I had my brain kind of focused on this thing anyway, and it was kind of compelling me to do it anyway, I continued doing it and finishing more and more and more things. Um, and so now I've written 12 of them. But yeah, there was no like sitting around going, I'm going to be a famous author. It was sitting around going, I'm fucking bored and I need to do something for you. Do you have a theme that throughout, are you like a genre writer or just whatever story you, I think it was your fancy, do you have a focus or what kind of yeah, you that's, write? That's another man of many slashes, I guess. Uh, although <laughs> ironically, not, not horror. There's no horror, which huh. is, although some, some of my stuff is pretty disturbing, but I wouldn't call it horror. Like I'm not trying to scare people. Um, so yeah, I mean, the trilogy I'm working on now is about the Greek gods getting back control of the earth, but they suck at it because they haven't done it in 3,000 years, so everything goes catastrophically wrong. Um, and then I have another book where a 16 year old girl meets a 16 year old boy and they fall in love, but find out their parents are having an affair, so it's like very opposite ends of the spectrum. Both of them are not comedies, though. So that counts. That no, they're the first one sure as hell is. Um, the second <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, the, no, the first one is it, it's a comedy because they're all just completely net. Like they all just suck at what they do. Right. 
I made it a point because I hated reading so many ancient text bullshit to take out like all the formal language from their speaking because I just can't stand reading that stuff. Right. Because um, it's just not fun. So, yeah, I modernized all their language. They swear. They, yeah. So, what's your approach to writing? Do you start with idea first, or do you character first, or where does it matter on the project? Like, where does it start in the blank page? Uh, usually, it's an idea. Um, Although in many cases, I just sit down with nothing and start writing and come up with something. Cause, uh, and I found out that actually works really, really well. There's like, it's akin to, if you take singing lessons, like you just warm up the throat. Um, if you just start writing utter fucking nonsense, like from the back of your brain, eventually it kind of turns into something um, narrative forming cause our brains are just wired to find stories and things. Um, which is kind of interesting. So I do come up with stories that way. I Most of the time, there's a very large idea, but I don't know how any of that plays out. Like I just had the concept of the Greek gods getting back control of the earth. I didn't know what the story was. Um, so yeah, it starts with an idea. And then a lot of times the way I write it is without much knowledge of what's going to happen next. I have a general idea, um, but I'm not very great at outlining or Anything that <laughs> um, someone would regard as like, someone could re regard as busy work. Inevitably, and it's not because I don't want to or I'm lazy about it, I've tried. It's just that most of the time when I have an outline, the story will veer away from it anyway. Um, so right. it ends up breaking, so I just stopped bothering with it. Um, and I guess my best, best analogy I've heard is from Anne Lamont who said, writing fiction is like, um driving it dark where you can really only see what the headlights are touching you know that's like this vast stuff coming up ahead but you just can't see it sure and that's what it feels like well so i, I so, so many people out there that say look man when i get some time off and there's not a pandemic or there is a pandemic i want to write the great american novel and never gets done you know someone who's written multiple like what is the biggest hurdle when it comes to, to actually sitting down and doing it really in your opinion uh for for someone who, for me or for someone who generally struggles to like actually sit down and write something struggle the unwashed masses you haven't read their book yet <laughs> those people i think people one there are already so many people who like who don't like reading but because they have in their head um all those really terrible books and i think because those books are taught at such a young age, they leave such an immense impression on what reading and writing feels like. And I think some people think they have to go um, write The Great Gatsby or that if they write a novel, it's going to be that. Um, and so people's expectations and like start at a pretty high place, um, but writing is exceedingly hard, especially writing a novel because it's nothing that really ever, anyone ever teaches you how to do. Um, unless you go to like grad school or something. So I think for a lot of people, there's an initial just getting smacked in the face with how hard this is thing. And as soon as it starts feeling hard, then you're reminded of how long this is going to take. Um, because I think a lot of people just, their experiences are like they wrote term papers in college or whatever else, but they had never written 80,000 words for the same thing before. Um, so I think it's, it's just kind of the snowball effect where 
people start becoming more and more pessimistic about their ability to do it. Um, and I think that just starts with where expectations are. And I think that's part of what helped me is where I didn't have it. I was just like, I didn't <laughs> because, because I had no fucking expectation. Like, and I just, so I just continued writing. I didn't care whether it was good. There's also, although I am reminded of Mike Perbiglia thing, and this will help a ton. Mike Perbiglia said, um, he has this one bit, he's a comedian, and he has a bit about um, when he first started doing comedy, he had this one show where before he went out, he it was like at this really gross strip mall, and he threw up out of nerves outside the club before he went in. They called his name, completely fucking bombed. He got in his gross like 1992 station wagon or whatever it was and drove back <laughs> to New York, walked back into his apartment and his girlfriend's there and she went, how'd it go? And he went, great. Because like in his head, it had gone great because there has to be some element of complete delusion by your own ability when you start out doing this stuff. True. Because if you continually objectively evaluate your ability to like, I don't know, Neil Gaiman or some other immense author, then yeah, you're gonna look like shit. I still look like shit compared to Neil Gaiman. Most people do. Almost every author does. He's Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he has <laughs> like, a TV series and books. Yeah, it's different. Totally different. Every yeah, every book he's ever written has become a movie. He's written his short stories that have become movies, which I still don't know what But but you made a good um, point there, Nathan. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. The the because I I do stand up too, and it is lots of times where I've bombed nationwide. I I flew the Dallas and bombed. I flew the Florida and bombs. But then there's that thing where it's like, oh, I did the process, and I can't tell people that I'm having that because I know I am growing, even though the net result is me puking in a trash can somewhere. Right. <laughs> Would you argue that's the net result or a symptom? I would you know say the what? net result is you're gaining confidence through ah, puking. Yeah, <laughs> through puking. That's right. I have thrown up nationwide. Uh, no, not really. Uh, but no, but it's a good point you mentioned about like the process. I think a lot of people, a lot of viewers of New Amsterdam are on their journeys about trying to make make it happen or that inciting incident to jump in there. You're doing it. Now, if I can ask you about the spoken word, now, that's a whole different beast. I think you're one of the few people that I know that even attempt it. Do you even call it spoken word? Is that like a, a still a, a good term for it, or has it evolved past that? I I find that term like really pretentious, and okay. I think it stems from and just, it's this is me. I find it pretentious, um, and I think I find it pretentious on behalf of people who want to do something like that. But because of what spoken word commonly connotes is you're going to rhyme everything. It's just going to, it's rap, but in sort of a free form, like, well, rappers, but you know what I mean? Like that's what spoken word used to be attributed to and exclusively that. Um, but it, is, it has evolved just, I think the new word now really is just storytelling. Um, cause there's a, there's a large discrepancy between spoken word and storytelling. If you think of them in terms of what I was describing, what I've used or spoken word as just based on what I, when I first came across it, when I was like 14, um, I think I saw something on the HBO or I don't know, uh, but that's, and then that's what it was for like a decade. That's what spoken word was. It was Rhyme, like everything had the same kind of cadence and rhyme. It was about a topic and you had a viewpoint and an angle. It was almost like a persuasive 
argument. Um, and then storytelling came along and it was just literally like, take what you tell your friend at the bar while you're like two martinis in and go on stage and tell that in front of the stranger. Like it's, that's, to me, that's kind of all it is. Yeah. And there's the only, the only um, difference I see between any person who's telling stories in front of a bunch of people, which is where your boundaries are, like how far you're willing to go in terms of revealing yourself or revealing only very slim portions of yourself. And, and the decision though, like, cause a lot of people write, but your decision to go, I'm gonna write and perform, was that a big one? Or you're like, no, this is a natural extension of what my art is. You know, uh, I have no idea. I don't know why I try so many things. I think I'm just in an endless <laughs> list because because I am I like I have chronic depression. This is a serious issue. But I yeah. think I'm like there. There is the phenomenon where um, if the more you chase happiness, the more depressed you become. Um, True. Because you don't just sit and accept what you had. You continue chasing something, and it's like chasing a drug or anything else. Where pretty much you're getting at fleeting moments of it and not going to get much else. Um, so. To a certain extent, I think I've that's been part of it. And then also, like, I just am genuinely interested in a bunch of stuff. And I, like, back in Atlanta, uh, at the same time I'm writing, I, I started writing novels. I actually started doing stand-up. And, like, I got, that's where I got the idea for the Greek God story. It was actually, like, I was just trying to think of um, funny premises. Um and it's just, yeah, it's just a result of like, I think there is that that weird dichotomy in a lot of introverts where there's a portion of them that is like screaming to be extrovert. Like, mm -hmm. I know a lot of comics who are, you get them off stage, they can be pretty quiet and somewhat timid. I'm not you put them on stage, yeah. Put them on well, stage, at least so I want to go home after like, perform, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, um, but yeah, you, you put them up. It's, it's just something gets released. And I think it's also in my case, being introverted and spending so much of my life, like trying to hide. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't have anything to say, or I didn't want anything to say. It was because I was scared of other people. So it's like, I've always wanted to say things and wanted to talk, talk to talk to other people, but there's just, been an element of anxiety there. What I found in performing, strangely, is I'm more comfortable doing that than I am in a lot of just normal social scenarios because when performing on stage, I am in pretty much total control. That's <laughs> like, um, I am being a lot of the time, everyone is facing me, everyone is listening to what I'm saying. They can choose to ignore it if they want to, but like, <laughs> you can't heckle, you can't walk out. Um, Nobody can talk back to me and nobody can argue with me. So I can just say things and yeah. I don't have to worry about like, cause so much of the anxiety always came from what is the other person going to do in reaction to what I'm saying? And well, that's a good way to break it down for sure. Yeah. And once, once the whole thing became like, well, they laugh and not laugh. And that's the only thing that's going to happen. Um, then it just, it became like way easier to navigate that. Um, yeah. because it's, those are, <laughs> those are two possible outcomes instead of like eight billion in everyday life. Are you are you a, a two uh, sport athlete? There, can you go back to stand up, or do you feel like it's a, it's a, it's way different? There's a split there that you want to concentrate more on the storytelling aspect. 
if I go back to it now, I think I'm just going to murder. Um, it started out when I started out, <laughs> I actually, okay. This is how naive I was. I, I, I do so many things being completely naive. Like I broke my ankle. This is the, just a small example of how sheltered my entire life has been. Um, I was 23 when I broke my ankle. Uh, in the hospital, like I'm waiting for all these wounds to get through all this other day. Um, and the doctor comes out and just gives me the prescription for Percocet then. And so I just take one and I was like, okay. And then like by the time everything's set out, like it's kicked in. But what I don't know is that you can get high from Percocet. I'm 23 and I don't know the painkillers can get you high. So that like, was the most high ever bit of my life was on Percocet. <laughs> I, that shit was on fucking wreck i and that that whole story ended with i told you i have no boundaries me losing my virginity to a married woman with two kids and then <laughs> two days later chucking all of the pills into the woods behind my house that was not um, the label at all that was not a warning label ne at all. it's nope fucking <laughs> all, i never went near that shit i've been I've, I've had doctors on three separate occasions prescribe them and i've said no like i'm not never it, it, it's um, funny you said that because like I, I got to throw my back out when I was when I was a lot heavier and uh, I I had basically slept walk for the first time in my life. So like fast forward to a couple of years ago when I broke my toe by hitting on the side of the bed, uh, I just took like codeine like or Tylenol three. One said, "Hey, we'll give you Percocet or Tramadol." I'm like, "No, sir, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good." <laughs> Next time the doctor does that, it hands a little slip over and go. <laughs> The fuck is wrong with you? I know, right? It's a toe. <laughs> I'll live. <laughs> no married woman around. I'm just kidding. You try to fuck up my life. I came here for help. <laughs> I know. How much are premiums? Uh, but I'm sorry. I cut you off there. You're, you're saying. <laughs> it did just strike me that you can go legally get Percocet for a $20 copay. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to like I don't know how much is on the street. I'm even, I'm too scared. I've never bought a drug off the street. Like I, it's, it's yeah. Um, what was I saying? I completely uh, forget. Uh, you're talking about like because you had no filter and uh, you're you're you tried Percocet and then you realized you chucked it in the woods after having sex with this married woman that would was a wife and had kids and yeah no. <laughs> that happened okay moving on so <laughs> uh six weeks ago or about two months ago what what <laughs> it's true i was there i heard it i did not make this up i know but it's just it's just hilarious because like there's only the beginning and the end and what i just hear the beginning and end of that story yeah. Without any of the qualifiers or explanations or like any of the we're actually good people shit, I sound like a fucking awful human being. You mean legend? Yes, you I, do. Like a that's drug addled, <laughs> wife fucking, home wrecking. Like, that's so bad. And if um, I write a story about that, I won't get you any royalties because that's a dope character trait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story, too. It's, I've actually told that story um, on stage in the front of. Was it a story about Popeye on Percocet? And... Hell no. Instead of spinach? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just that act. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
there, so it was the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh, which means the max out of is eight twenty. So it's eight hundred twenty. I told that in photo, which was wow. kind of insane. Like every, but it's it's also partially because like I don't have any funny anecdotes. Right, that was hilarious. I don't know who's talking about. No, no, no. It's like what I mean by funny anecdote is like. I was 17 and I was smoking weed with my friends behind a 7-Eleven and a cop came out and then like chased us through the woods and then he ended up going back and said, What are you saying like that? Crazy. That's not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, I was there years old. What you don't know is that's how I tell stories on stage. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> I have a very dry sense of humor. What is dry as you possibly It's sand. <laughs> um yeah so oh no i lost it again too many candidates you were saying that you performed that story in front of 800 people in pittsburgh was it pittsburgh pittsburgh yeah yeah so i actually grew up in pittsburgh um, is that a good thing or a bad and thing I live are you proud or you're like ah oh, pittsburgh ugh. it's somewhat proud i i, I I always struggle a little bit with the like the whole I'm from there and therefore it's awesome identity because like I didn't choose to be from there, right? In the same way I didn't choose to be like on Earth, so I can still dislike parts of Earth. What like, other options hurricane. are there, though, Nathan? <laughs> there, there, no, I'm not saying there are other options. I'm saying that's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. There are no other options. Yeah. You get one option for when you're born. So why right. are you so ha like proud of being born there when actually it wasn't an option? You were right. placed there by the universe or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. It's always – but on the same – but I still kind of – on the other hand, I get it because, like, I am kind of proud about being from Pittsburgh. I like telling people I'm from Pittsburgh. I like when people shit on the city, which is really easy to do. Um, yeah, part of me, like, gets a little you can't make fun of my little brother syndrome. Fair so, enough. Yeah. A I lot know. of the Brooklyn hipsters moved to Pittsburgh after Brooklyn's Renaissance. They kind of went to that, that city, and they had hipster eyes oh, right great. after. So Pittsburgh's next. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> We're all migrating there. It kind of is, actually. Like, yeah. it, it, it has experienced a huge tech re... Um, re what is the word? Uh, Renaissance, resurgence? Whatever. Renovation? Yeah. yeah. Revival? I don't know what you're going for. Things I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's, and it's really pretty now. And when I was driving, it was not. Um, but there's still portions that are just, yeah, gross. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's really characteristic. It, it, it's so many... I remember... Uh, a writing professor of mine said once, you can only write a about a place once you leave. Absolutely. And then she like pulled out all these examples of people who like tried to write about their own hometowns and just couldn't. And then they left and their next book ended up being about their hometown. Like uh, my favorite book is uh, Never Wrote by Neil Gaiman. And he said the whole point of him writing it was that he had left London and moved to America and he missed the city. Uh, Hemingway wrote tons and tons about places in America only after he moved to Europe. And he would only be able to write about Paris once he got out of Paris. Like it's this weird thing, distance. I don't know. Yeah, this um, is good too. But weirdly, I've never written about Pittsburgh. Until the next book. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to say that uh, I guess a few short weeks ago, uh, you posted a video about you performing 
uh, some of your work, and you were talking about that just a minute ago about performing storytelling. You know, you're 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 sharing a piece of yourself with a stage, and you seem pretty uh, hyped about it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but talk walk me through that feeling and what's next for your storytelling side of things. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. So after, I'll tell another story. Um, to brother. So I went to my brother's wedding reception last year and I gave a speech and they got a standing ovation. Like at a wedding? People standing ovation at a wedding reception. Wow, man. That's like, cool. yeah. And I, so I know it's, it's like, yeah. So like, but okay. So that happened. And I, then after I sat down, and like things that kind of settled. I then sat there for maybe an hour and a half as people came up, like over a hundred easily came up to say something to me about it. And I went home so depressed, like so incredibly sad. And you would think it would be totally the opposite. But the reason I went home sad and I called my friend and I was like, this just happened. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I, continuing to go after these jobs that like it didn't occur to me until fairly recently there's a reason you've been like late every day for every job you've ever had it's been like impossible for you to be on time right. meetings same way like it's and it's because i don't care like part of me does absolutely part of me very much cares about the work that i do and i want to do a good job but there's always this other part of me that cares about these other things pretty much to an equal amount or actually probably a lot more um mm -hmm. so i call my friend he's like yeah i mean that's i'm like i don't know why i'm so upset it's because you can do this like you just made a wedding the fucking wedding reception to the standing ovation and one guy said it sounded like somebody reading me a novel and the whole thing was seven minutes long so i just i got back um to san francisco and i immediately started contacting like the, the uh person who teaches all of the public speaking stuff at usf about basically what avenues there are to turn this into some type of career and the only real thing i can that comes around is like like motivational speaking is pretty much it um and a lot of those people get that avenue through either they're already famous or they had like a very um hard story and i just i don't know so where the public speaking thing goes i'm not really sure i can continue doing like the the telling the story in front of people's circuit but there's no like there's no real incentive at the end of that in terms of um, practice. Like you get no book deal, you get no anything deal. It's like all of that is still just front of it, still recognized as something that is um, a, a real marketable skill. Um, so I, I don't really know where that goes. I, I might just basically transform it into stand up and just tell it. Because that's basically what I did anyway. It's like, because 
every story I told was so heavy, the only way to make them any kind of palatable is to put as many jokes as they're in there as they could. Um, and that's, that's generally how I've operated. So yeah, I think my storytelling will just turn into stand-up storytelling. Well, that may be an avenue. Who knows, maybe someone might see this and go, I'm booking that guy for my wedding reception. Uh, the best man speechwriter. You <laughs> <laughs> clean up like fifty bucks at a time. Yeah, that's 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 the game. Uh, but let's let's talk about uh, the another aspect, right? It's the pandemic of two thousand twenty. Uh, we've pretty much been locked in. At least I'm in Los Angeles, so we've been locked in for about three months, uh, and we're, we're now opening up. But I know other places nationwide have their own thing. I mean, how has that changed your process, if at all? Uh, it hasn't. Um, because my process is pretty much to write a thousand words a day and I've done that every day for a decade. Um, and I have to basically work out every day and I managed to get TRX bands. So to me, it's, it's not been that drastically different from my average life. Um, Oh, just like that. You're like, no, it's the same. Yeah, all you people with your lamenting quarantine life hashtags, I'm good. I'm I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I I definitely won't say that. Um, in terms of like writing process, that's the same. But maybe that's not even the same if I really stretch it out because because I have such large anxiety issues, especially at the beginning of this. I just wasn't able to pay attention to any of it really, except for like the absolute essential information. Um, so I just started listening to podcasts from like 2018 back and I started with like Doug Loves Movies, which is a comic by, uh, Doug Benson or, uh, Doug Benson is a comic does that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that started in like 2009, I think. And so I've just been binging through all that stuff. And like, that's kind of how that's all my entertainment has been, um, kind of weirdly nostalgic because it's been from a decade back or so. Ah, well, uh, question, quick question out of my bag of cliche questions. Uh, someone's listening here. They're inspired by the man Nathan Spicer. Do you have, I don't say much advice, but a tip or a trick, a pro tip, a thing you learned on your journey that you can probably share with someone else? Yeah, who else is in the room with you? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? And who asked you the question? I said by our listeners said in general. Someone here. No, some of our listeners, oh. like, the people who listen to the show normally would always tell me, hey, look, we have a uh, guest. Ask them for any I advice. There's no one here. So sitting on a chair. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of scary. I live alone, so that's a whole other issue altogether. <laughs> what are you doing here? And why are you like making fun of my show? No, just. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just very confused. Um, I now have to go with the question was. Uh, Tips, tricks, advice. Uh, pro tips, oh, things you wouldn't um, do, pitfalls. It, okay, I'll, yeah. I was about to say don't be scared, and I think that is the most ridiculous thing that anyone can ever tell anybody, because one, you really can't control that. Um, and two, there's a, usually a very good reason why you're scared. And that's the key phrase, is that there's a good reason. So if you're going to go do something that is potentially frightening and as simple as asking a girl out to like bungee jumping or whatever else, 
the reason you're so scared is maybe because yeah there's some disappointment but it's frightening because of how much you care if you didn't care about the girl you were asking out it wouldn't matter whether or not she rejected well it would matter some because nobody likes being rejected but it would matter a hell of a lot less if you didn't care same thing with like bungee jumping if it fails well you die um but <laughs> wow <laughs> if you don't care about being poetic like bungee jumping then it won't be a big deal that you die um it's just it's all a matter of like so i've tried in the in, in recent years to remind myself that like the reason i'm scared of doing whatever it is is because i care a lot about it and that doesn't mean i have to do a great job that doesn't mean anything else but that is something in my life that gives my life meaning if i can be that scared about fucking it up that's that's great, man. Uh, Nathan, man, it's been it's been a while, and don't be a stranger because I know you're doing things. I like to hang on and creep on you on Twitter and be like, "Oh, what's going on?" But uh, <laughs> if you can tell the people who listen, no one in my room. If you tell people who are listening to no, the no, show no. Uh, how they can no, find they, you, keep up with you. Yeah, <laughs> quiet you. Uh, where's social media? Where people can find you? Where people can read your books, buy your stuff. Like, here's time to put so, yourself over. Yeah, so I don't. I don't have any books out. I have short stories, no books. Um, and that's that's been a conscious decision. Um, because I like, let's put it this way, best case scenario, five million people read it. That's terrifying to me. Uh, because of how much I care. So I'm trying to get over that barrier. Um, find me on Twitter at, it's my last name, and then my first initial, so just Spicer and just Spicer. Um, and then that's really the only public profile I have, so. Yep. And how often do you tweet? I'm just curious. Like, what's the what's your mix of social media to creating stuff? It's somewhat sporadic. I mean, I can go like, it's it's picked up more since the quarantine. So I guess that's fair. Also, changed my process. Uh, but I mean, I can go like three or four days without doing it, and then send out a sex in one day, and then yeah. So it's usually like one or two a day, maybe. Yeah. So make sure you follow Spicer Spicer and on Twitter because I know I do and this guy is about to blow up when it comes to writing and all that stuff but uh, thank you so much for checking out this edition of New Amsterdam Radio until next time the city is yours so much fun once again big thanks to Nathan Spicer uh, taking time out of his schedule to sit and chat about the process and the things that he's working on and uh i hope they come back for future episode for sure as always my name is flobo boys the host the captain of this ship uh, i'm not sure if it's a starship or one of those water kinds but i'll be back soon but until then you can follow me all over social media we're talking on twitter I'm at Flobo Boys on Instagram. I'm at Flobito. The website is flobito.com. And uh, you can buy a t-shirt, support the show that way over at flobito.threadless.com. And the Patreon, you know, every guest we have on the show, uh, the full interview without any cuts, any edits is available over at the Patreon. So do yourself a favor, uh, sign up, become a supporter, get bonus content, see the whole process of how we make New Amsterdam a thing. Uh, And I'll be back a little bit later this week. Uh, My birthday edition of New Amsterdam Radio, I'm sitting with uh, the really 
interesting Jackie Ray. Uh, we worked together on a couple projects in the hosting space, so she'll have some stories I will definitely share. But until then, I have to say it's New Amsterdam, and this city is yours. <laughs>